Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the show we call The Playmakers, and we are on the precipice of the U.S. Open, which tees off tomorrow. So thankfully, we're joined by one of the best who covers the sport and has been doing so for 25 years as a golf writer for Sports Illustrated. He's a partner of the Fire Pit Collective and the man who literally wrote the book on Phil Mickelson, Phil, the unauthorized biography. Alan Shipnuck joins us. All insider calls are powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download your BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. As Adrian just outlined, I don't think there's a more qualified person to discuss one of the most relevant stories of our modern day, gas prices. Alan, how much did that plane ticket to London cost? Because if the miles weren't worth it, that picture with Greg Norman certainly was. <laughs> yeah, that was a moment. Um, yeah, I was on the fence about going over there. I had some misgivings uh, for a variety of reasons. But once Phil decided to make that his return to public life, um Phil Mickelson I just felt like I had to be at that first that first live event also known as you know sort of the Saudi golf league and um it was it was the right choice it was it was it was a big moment for the sport it really was I mean the whole landscape of professional golf is changing before our eyes and uh I just you know I, I took some criticism from people who say no you're legitimizing sports washing but it's you know, I'm an impartial observer. I was there just to see how it was all going to play out and tell the story about it. Sports journalism is, is wild to me, Alan, because you, you start a project with the intention to tell a particular story and then you start digging and then sometimes you find gems. And then sometimes, like you said, the, the universe aligns and you're all of a sudden right in the middle of, of a huge moment for golf. I'm not sure if you've seen the documentary Icarus about the Russian state sponsored doping system, but your story is giving off very similar vibes. And, and you've covered Phil for years. And so I, I, instead of asking what, what is he like, what, what, what's his personality, I think he puts it on, on a big display, but what what about him still surprises you or, or has caught you off guard? Well, just he, he spent more than three decades at, at the front ranks of, of the game. You know, he's an unparalleled run of longevity, any sport, any athlete. And, uh, and yet he's constantly evolving and changing and, you know, he's, he's a bit of a shapeshifter. And so, even after, uh, you know, my first year covering the PGA Tour was 1994. That was Phil's second full season. So I've been tracking him this whole time. Uh, he continues to to sort of trans, transform, you know. He's like, and this is one of the more unexpected twists. You know, this beloved fan favorite's kind of taking his heel turn. And now in some ways he's a bad guy. And he very well could play a part in the demise of the PGA Tour. Like, who could have ever seen that coming? So it's just remarkable how he's always at the center of things. He's always, 
uh, working an agenda, controversy just engulfs him regularly, and he always emerges and keeps going. And that's going to happen this week in Boston. I mean, the fans are on his side. I don't know if you see any clips from the practice round. He's getting a lot of love out there. I mean, whatever it is about Phil, he's, he's got a certain charm, and uh, people want to watch him play golf. They want to cheer for him. And so, yeah. He, I'm constantly amazed at, at, at his ongoing evolutions. I'm not really surprised that he's getting a lot of love in Boston because we all know about those Bostonian sports fans and where their uh, allegiances and, uh, I should say, integrity lies. <laughs> and, uh, Alan, I do want to clarify, too. Uh, Greg Norman is not here. His security goons are not here as well. But something I've, I've noticed is, so Greg Norman tried to branch away in the 90s with Fox and Rupert Murdoch. And Rory, after his win over the weekend, you know, he said the comment towards Greg about having one more victory. Like, all business aside with the PGA and the Live Tour, this seems to be a very personal thing to these guys, correct? Yeah, well, Greg Norman has been a polarizing figure for a long time and a bit of a pariah in the game. And I'll the casual fan didn't know that, but some of the animosity you're seeing, that some of the shade, that that that's now coming to light. But yeah, these guys are taking it personally because their livelihoods and their legacies are being affected. You know, like so Rory, John Rahm, and Justin Thomas have kind of thrown their lot into the PGA Tour. But if if two dozen or three dozen other top players go to live, that that devalues the product. I mean, these guys are going to rock up the tournaments and there's going to be a lot of top players missing. And, and so their victories have less meaning and the audience shrinks and their, their deal, their corporate deals shrink as a result of that. And so there's, there's a personal element and there's, there's a prof- the professional element and there's a lot of indignation flowing both ways. And, uh, you know, the, the commissioner of the, of the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan, has made it personal. You know, his comments about, you don't have to ever apologize for being a PGA Tour member. And, and so there's, it, it's a mix of of the, of the dollars, but it, it's also uh, so there's a self righteousness. There's there's an element of vengeance and all this. It's there's a lot of big human themes that are getting played out. It, it's it's quite riveting. Yeah, I think it's a, a great representation kind of of what we're going through as a society as well, of the almost kind of a rage against the machine type of mentality. But there's certainly reason to be frustrated with the PGA Tour as well. And that's like we've had several conversations about Live Golf and, and just this this course that we've been on and, and just how there's there's merit on both sides and that there is badness on both sides. And, well, and whether or not Phil Mickelson is personally motivated by his ego or his propensity to build up debt, he has been that catalyst that is going to, potentially ruin not ruin everything but change everything so other than sending Rory and, and John Rahm and, and Spieth and all of them up to defend the the PGA's honor how should they play this next shot because you know th- they've suspended all the golfers that are associated with live golf I know that the USGA uh came out and said we're not going to do any knee-jerk reactions but that's just for this year's majors I'm more worried about next year's majors and people choosing sides because that's what's going to happen especially with sponsorship dollars you know this isn't the majors it's not their fight like right. Augusta National, the PGA of America, the USGA, and the RNA, each of these ruling bodies and these entities, they, they get the spotlight for one week per year. And they, they have one tournament that really matters to them. Uh, no disrespect to the U.S. Women's Open and the Senior Open, but the U.S. Open is what drives the USGA. And so they, a turf war between rival professional circuits is not, is not their concern. What they care about is putting on the best possible event they want all their past champions they want all the big stars they want 
as much depth of field and world ranking points as they can get. So they really don't want to get in the middle of this. It's, it's just not their battle. And the idea that Augusta National is going to ride to the rescue of the PGA Tour and ban all these, all these, um, you know, live golfers, I think it's fantastical. I mean, Phil Mickelson, three-time champ, Dustin Johnson, who's from the South, he's one of the most popular guys there. The Master doesn't want to lose them. Their their box office draws, and, and they add to the competition. So, um, I think. So with the PGA Tour, you know, if the majors are, is not is not going to save the tour. Um, and anecdotally, being here at the U.S. Open, I'm hearing a lot of buzz from people associated with Live. That, you know, another question is, will will the world the world ranking body give points to these mm. these, these Live events? Because that's how that becomes their entry into the majors by being top 50. And uh, according according to folks who in the know, like that's basically a done deal. It hasn't been announced, but they've they've had a lot of dialogue and. The world ranking has to acknowledge these tournaments. There's just too many good players there now. So, um, so therefore, what does the tour do? I mean, I think they need to concede defeat and and cut a deal. And they can, you know, they they forge this strategic alliance to use their term with the European Tour. And I think they're going to wind up doing the same thing with 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 the Live Tour because it's it's the only workable compromise. It it doesn't doesn't help the PGA Tour to lose stars and lose popular players. And it doesn't it doesn't help their sponsors, doesn't help their fans. So um, there's a middle ground here. You keep your tour membership. The, the tour absorbs these live events, push them all into the fall when there's not a lot of great golf being played. Um, the players get to cash in because they they can they can cherry pick these, this huge money purses. The Saudis get what they want, which is legitimacy. That's all they really care about. And if they get the stamp approval on the PGA Tour, then they've definitely arrived as, as part of the sport. And there's really no downside other than the the taint of the Saudi money, which is considerable. But professional golfers have already answered that question. Like, how much do they really care? Other than a handful, they don't care. I mean, they've been going to Saudi Arabia for years now, playing in the European Tour event. They play all over China, where they have actual concentration camps. They play uh, United Arab Emirates. They, they play in Qatar, like... The pro golfers are going to follow the money. That's just the bottom line. They've made that clear. So um, it's it's not a palatable choice for the PGA Tour, but if they don't want to be relegated to essentially the minor leagues, then I think they're going to have to go that direction. And, Alan, I just want to get a sense of uh, the craziness that was everything that went on in London and, of course, your experience there, and even now getting uh, to the U.S. Open and kind of What's the general sense and feel of the media covering this, of the craziness that's happened these past few weeks and uh, the craziness that's uh, going to be happening here ahead? Kepka hates them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's ironic is, I mean, Kepka's a prime candidate to go over to live. Thousand percent. He's always made, he's made his just dame clear for the every, everyday tour events. And, you know, they're just fillered for him between the majors. So you throw him to live, you can play less, you can make a heck of a lot more. And uh, you can still play the majors. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Brooks changes jerseys. And his comments were interesting. You know, when he, he was asked this week, like, why uh, why have you stayed at the PGA Tour? And he's like, well, there was never another option. It wasn't the most ringing endorsement uh, for his happiness on the PGA Tour. So I, I think Brooks is in play. Obviously, his brother played, Chase Kepka played in the, in the first event in London. So, yeah, it's going to be a tumultuous summer. I mean, this is just going to be the story. Um, there's Things are happening very quickly. 
uh, and there's endless amounts of back channel communication. There, there could be lawsuits. There, uh, there's already a lot of uh, a lot of little bars going on in press conferences, and it's messy, but it's also riveting. Yeah, and there's an argument to be made that this is really good for the sport, but like you said, there, there's dirty money everywhere, and so I always say, well, let's not throw things at glass houses when we are actually in one ourselves. But I like to make the joke uh, that I cover and talk about sports, but I'm not a journalist because I majored in communications, which is basically the same, but with less integrity. And so I, I'm sure Phil isn't the first person to come back at you with the energy that was off the record. I don't like what you wrote, but I'm genuinely curious about what you tell yourself inside your head when the pitchforks come for the messenger that happens to be you. <laughs> well, he is actually the first person who's ever made that claim, which is a serious claim to make against a reporter. And, um, y- you know, he knows it's false. I know I know it's false. Like, that conversation was always on the record. And I'd gone to Phil three times to um, do interviews for the book, you know, face-to-face. He thought about it. He declined. But ultimately, in the final analysis, he just couldn't help himself. Like, it's been said many times about Phil. He needs to be the smartest guy in the room. And he um, it just he couldn't stand the idea that he was winning all these political battles and he had He'd outsmarted Greg Norman. He'd outsmarted Jay Monahan, and that I didn't know all that when I was writing my book. And he had to pick up the phone and tell me. He had to fill uh, you in. He had to fill me in. Yeah. And in the context of how many times I'd asked to interview him for the book, if he calls me, every single syllable is going in the pages of the book, unless we expressly agree otherwise. And, you know, he never asked to go off the record. And if he had, I would have pushed back really hard. This was my one chance to talk to him for the book. So, um, you know, I think most people saw through that as sort of this transparent you know bad faith attempt to rewrite history but mm. um those were his true feelings and that was it was it was a moment of honesty and you know when, when phil picked up the the phone did he mean to tell me all that stuff I, I can't say that i mean i've been doing this a long time i know when people start talking they get emotional they get carried away by the moment the sound of their own voice and maybe maybe he, he said some things he hadn't planned on saying but that's on him you know I, it's not my job to to govern uh, Phil Mickelson, he's a very smooth operator when it comes to the media. And um, he had an agenda when, when he picked up the phone to call me. And uh, it's certainly disappointing that he tried to backtrack. But, I mean, I'll go to my grave knowing that that, that, that whole conversation was on the record. Yeah, if anything, I think it's a skill uh, and a testament to your uh, ability as a journalist to get people lathered up and going. That's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, well, I just, I'm just giving them space to tell me what they want to tell me. You know, I'm, uh, my... My biggest tool when I'm doing an interview is just silence. I just listen and prod them here and there. But, uh, you know, Phil, Phil had a lot he wanted to say. I mean, I hardly said a word in that whole conversation. He was just going a thousand <laughs> miles an hour. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a learned skill for sure. And uh, Alan Shipnuck joining us. He is the author of the Phil, the unauthorized biography. And since we are talking about Phil and we are here in Las Vegas uh, I know that Phil Mickelson enjoys some things that we specialize here in Vegas. So I have to ask you um, throughout the book, is there a specific Vegas story that involves Phil that you enjoyed or that you covered in the book? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the best one is when he um, it's opening day of the NFL season and he gets a bunch of buddies and they fly in his jet from Scottsdale to Vegas. And, um, it's like eight guys and they, they're, they go to this. They get there early, you know, before the first games are played. They go down to the, the sports book, and they're going to place their bets. And um, everyone's kind of milling around. They're not sure what's the protocol. You know, Phil's the host, so they're going to let him go first. 
but he looks at them and he's like, um, no, you guys go ahead because when I place my bet, it might move the line. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, yeah, let that sink in. And um, so Tom Candiotti, the old big league pitcher, he was part of that crew, and he, he's the one who told me the story. And he said that Phil swept the whole morning slate. He won every game. And at that point, he was up over a million dollars. Um, and then and Phil had a big afternoon, only lost a game or two. So at that point, he's up, you know, what, a million five, a million six, who knows. And then uh, that's just in one day of football betting. But then they're going to fly home that night, and he and Phil want to go down and play Baccarat in the casino and um, gave most of it back. And, the, you know, Candy I said they needed to, like, pull Phil out of there with a rope, basically, and then he sulked all the way to the airport. So it gives you some insight into how much you bet and how, how fast it comes and goes. I mean, I have trouble walking away from the tables, but, man, it's just a different thing. But that's that's what happens when you're leather-jacketed Uncle Phil with a God complex, right, Alan? It's just you, you think that you can do no wrong and that every run is going to go on for forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the leather jacket, that was, that was a funny touch. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been said so many times about Phil. Like, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He has to feel that way. And, um, you know, the house always wins, but but Phil thinks he's smarter than the house. You know, history would suggest otherwise. Mm. Well, Alan, you're certainly the smartest person in our room and our ear holes right now. And I, again, want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy uh, schedule, especially with the U.S. Open starting tomorrow, to speak with us. Uh, give us a little bit of a roundabout about your book, because I'm really excited to read it. But uh, be well and give my best, or give our best, I should say, to Greg Norman, my friend. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Alan Shipnook from fire pit collective writing that big book on phil mickelson he has been in the center of all of this and let me tell you they're going to do some 30 for 30s on this very story uh on the other side of the break after we go through our sponsors which are always brought to us by betql when we have guests on our phone line uh bet smarter to beat the books download the betql app and visit betql.com today we got brian windhorse drama to talk about to your mama we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.